Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hi, this is Anne-Marie Zanzel, and I'm excited to welcome Elle Font to Queer Business Success today. Elle Font uses they, them pronouns. They are an experienced performing and visual artist, fitness instructor, intuitive reader, and home decluttering specialist. Their eclectic interests bring them to unite people through laughter, witty observations, and looking at life unconventionally. Elle, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here today. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks so much for having me. This is really fun and exciting. I'm looking forward to this. And and so uh, Elle and I were talking about we may veer off into other discussions right prior to the podcast today. And I already have a question that we're going to end up veering off. But first <laughs> of all, tell me a little bit about you identify as queer. Tell yes. me a little bit about your queer journey. Okay, so um, just to get a little bit more specific, I would say that I identify at several places under the LGBTQ plus acronym. So first of all, and kind of like probably the most prominently throughout my life, I I specifically choose the words agender or gender fluid about myself. Sometimes when I encounter people who are really, really new to the whole thing, I will use a term like non-binary. And, you know, sometimes within more LGBTQ plus spaces, sometimes I really like the term gender expansive. So I relate to all of those terms as far as my gender expression. And I have always felt that way, like from a pretty young age. I think it helped that I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And I think it helped that this like a lot of clothing presentation um, was very like becoming very unigender yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, during during that time period. So I think I think that helped. You know, I had a lot of periods of, of time, even as like a young person, where I had like really short hair and I just never super felt in line with like any one particular gender identity until a brief period of time where I felt like that was really kind of like getting pushed on me. But even kind of throughout that time period, I didn't really resonate with having much of a gender at all. And then also as far as the LGBTQ plus identity, I do also identify as pansexual. And I think it's important to specify that I have not had a whole bunch of long-term relationships with women 
or genderqueer individuals. And it's also interesting and unique, I think, to my situation. Well, maybe not that unique, but sort of during that time period I mentioned earlier, a lot of like the LGBTQ plus like mainstream culture was very cis gay man centered Mm -hmm. for a long Mm -hmm. time. So even from kind of like teenager and youthhood, I resonated with a lot of like gay man spaces and sort of mentally that is how like that's how I resonate like sexual orientation wise in a lot of ways. And I've had a lot of social experiences of just like resonating, resonating more with dating men and mask individuals, mm-hmm. uh, men and masculine leaning individuals. But I definitely actually since 2007 have explicitly identified as pansexual these days, sometimes as far as orientation, I'll be more fluid with just using the term queer, because mm-hmm. I think it's more like a general umbrella term that's become popular. So as of recently, I've resonated with that more. And then I'm also, I'm also kind of an A. I am somewhere on the ace or asexuality spectrum. I am mm-hmm. um, pretty fluidly in there. I don't consider myself hard line in any one place. Some people call that identity gray sexual or ace fluid sometimes, but basically it may take more of an intimate emotional connection for me to want to actually like get physical with a person, Mm -hmm. even though I do experience, I still experience like immediate attraction and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I'm at several places under the acronym. And I also just feel like as a young person and a teen, even though like my experiences weren't necessarily like gay with a capital like G Pride Parade, they were very, there were a lot of experiences of just feeling queer and feeling other especially when it came to heteronormative scripts and obligations. Well, and maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but I I feel like I'm hearing you defend your queerness. (laughs) And I like, like, you know, this is the thing is that a lot of times people that I work with when they're coming out later in life, people will tell them they can't be a lesbian because they've just been with only with men. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, when you're uh, in your high school and, you know, you see all your friends dating people of the opposite gender, you know, I always say to my later in life people is that we never in heteronormative relationships, we never say to anybody, make sure you go sleep with that boy. And make sure you go sleep with that girl so we can guarantee, you know, we can make sure you're straight so that the thing is, we don't do that. We only do that to queer people. And the funny thing is, is that if you identify as pansexual, then you're pansexual. There's like, you do not, I feel like we don't have to give any type of explanation behind that. Like we're, if you're, if you identify as pansexual, then you're pansexual. And, and that is, you don't have to qualify your pansexualness. I always say that nobody can name our sexuality except ourselves. And that's it, you know, but I do find that sometimes in the queer community, people can be 
a little judgy. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, so that there, and I always think of those people as gatekeepers. So sometimes in queerness, we can run into gatekeepers that say, oh, you can't be that because of this. You can't be that because of that. And then I'm like, no, that's not true. Whatever you need, whatever Jane gender or sexual orientation that feels the most re- resonates the most with you, that's who you are. And we don't have to defend ourselves to anybody. Thank you for naming that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there may have been a little bit of that in there, but I also just like really wanted to get specific about it mm-hmm. so that maybe somebody who's listening aligns with that specific experience. I appreciate that. And, yeah. and is like, oh, hey, that's me too. Because I know for me, like hearing things like that has been so powerful. It is. Um, because often we just like, I mean, obviously now, like there's so much more technological, like validation and connection, but like, yeah, often for me throughout life, especially when there was like less social media and tech, it was, it was very isolated and it was easy to feel that who else is going through this type of thing, even though they often aren't. And I really like, I love that, you know, I, you said it and I love the word queer because it's so encompassing. It's a great umbrella term. I mean, I identify as a lesbian. I also probably more lean towards the agender side. I'm sort of like, like gender to me is just a stupid construct that I got caught in a long time ago. And so, but there's parts of the aspects of my gender that I do, do enjoy. Like there are some things about being, you know, being assigned female at birth, you know, AFAP that I really, really do like, but it's so funny too, because I'm often told by men, especially, oh, I like you so much because you're like a man. And I'm like, what the fuck does that, what does that mean? And so like the whole thing around gender, which I haven't done a ton of exploration with is like, I really understand people. Like I really, when people who define themselves as a gender or non-binary, like it's like one of those things I get at a level that like, I always, even though I always identified for a long time as being straight, once I find like, I always, I always understood what queer people, like what, people who are lesbian or gay we're talking about. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And there's all sorts of different kind of like cultural frameworks to a lot of that identity too, like some types of cultural spaces or even ethnic identities kind of like merge like gender and sexuality more together. And even like here in dominant US culture, just 30-ish years ago or so, like the two were more merged mm-hmm. as well. It's just interesting to to pay attention to all of that. And I think wherever anybody is, as far as, especially with the gen, like a lot of our dominant culture is just new to the gender stuff. Absolutely. Like, and, you know, at first, like I was very resistant. I was like, ah, this is like Gen Z stuff. Like it's for the <laughs> kids, you know, <laughs> like that's weird, you know, cause I was, I was like pretty much in my late thirties at the time mm-hmm. I was considering that. And then I just kind of grew into it. And then I also found out because 
I'm ethnically Jewish. Like I also found out much later, like as of the past, like maybe a couple of years that there are way more than two gender expressions in Mm -hmm. Judaism and and rabbinical literature. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. It it is part of like our ethno-religion. It's part of so many like global South pre-colonial cultures. As I started to learn more about that, I was like, oh, wow. Like actually kind of like a pretty big part of the world yeah, has more than two yeah, Absolutely. So tell me about your business. Okay. Where to start with this? I would say that kind of like my business <laughs> has two major components, which is the artistic side and then the service providing side. So as an artist, both visual and performing, I go by the name Alphont, as you introduced me. I currently perform stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. uh, a style of dance that was originated in Los Angeles LGBTQ underground nightclubs in the 70s that's called punking and a popular style whacking evolved out of that. I've done variety performance and immersive character work for many years. I'm currently learning, just learning how to do some stuff with electronic music, not necessarily professionally, but just want to remind everybody that you're allowed to have hobbies for fun, no matter how terrible capitalism is. (laughs) Um, And I also have a collaborative multimedia, more visual art project with my partner that's called MMIX Art. So that's one half of me. Um, The (laughs) other half of me, this is already more than 50%, I think. (laughs) The other half of me runs a small business called Divinot X Inner and Outer Worlds. So in it is including is included intuitive readings, um, mostly tarot or card readings that I do largely in person at venues throughout town. Uh, I do distance Reiki, so I offer distance Reiki as well. Mm-hmm. And the main crux of my business on that side has been home decluttering services. Mm-hmm. So basically, I do an initial assessment. I look at what you're trying to move or reconfigure in your space. And then we do the thing with the multiple boxes or trash bags. And I help folks mostly declutter items that aren't serving them anymore. I have done like a home organization component to that, but I am finding more and more over the years that that's actually kind of a different focus. Often clients want a situation with the home organization where they just kind of like give you the key to their house and you revamp the entire thing. And I personally actually require that clients are quite a bit more hands-on and collaborative in the process of the decluttering. So I'm willing to do the organizational stuff, but I really want them to be able to have the commitment to be there with me so that it's totally co-collaborative. And and then the, or sorry, I was just going to mention one more thing. One last component, which sort of floats in the middle of these things, but is technically under L font, is I'm a certified fitness instructor, group fitness instructor, 
through AFAA. I taught through a corporate fitness chain from 2014 until three months into the pandemic 2020. And then I kind of went out on my own. So my focus is what I have branded as something called modified workout which is like a full body workout that is often targeted for like special populations and things like that. And then also Hatha yoga. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the decluttering, why do you, I, I think I have an idea why you do it, but why do you insist on people be there when you're decluttering? So just to backtrack about that a little bit, the home decluttering stuff kind of weirdly like naturally grew out of my energy healings and readings I was doing for people. And it's just kind of another tactic of moving energy, basically. So if you're going to apply the abstract principle of like, if a person is receiving an energy healing or seeking an intuitive reading to get more clarity on something, they will absolutely get better mileage if they are signed on to co-participate in the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and I protect my well-being and health as an energy worker and healer and mover of energy in an improved way if I vet my clientele for being mutually signed on to it. I see what you're saying. I absolutely see what you're saying. So Sounds like you have a lot of irons in the fire. Is Does that sound? Yes. <laughs> no, I actually like, I often get a lot of excitement and praise from people who identify as like neurodiverse because they're like, I totally relate to this. <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a lot of interests, right? And so- yes. And so you're, it sounds like in your work life that you're meeting your needs with all the interests you have. What is the biggest challenge of all that though? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> well, there are some practical concerns that mm -hmm. are unique to this particular cocktail of things that I do across the board. Like the performing arts stuff, you know, I live in the Los Angeles, California area. The performing art stuff where I live often does not pay, or if it does, it doesn't pay very much. So that stuff does not often get your bills covered, which is part of why, even though I, I can't totally pinpoint exactly what evolved and when, but that's part of why I started going out and to business on my own is just because I was like, and I know I have a bunch of strengths and skills. Here's how I can attempt to pay the bills with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also, here's another thing that's kind of unique to what I do. I present such a variety of things that I do specifically because like I tend to offer fairly lower price points and greater access in that way across the board. So for example, in contrast, I know some people who they'll be fitness coaches, but 
they'll also offer like bigger packages or add nutrition coaching qualifications to what they do or get certified through a very specific program that can kind of like bump them up in at a higher starting rate uh, for what they charge basically. So they have more of that covered in kind of like one work-related space in their life. Mm -hmm. Whereas I kind of like have it spread out to (laughs) several different things. How do people find you though, when, when you do so many different things, just curious, like how do you advertise and how do people get in touch with you and how do people know what you do? Like, so like, are you, do you advertise in one space for this and one space for that? Is, is that how you do it? Yes. Um, short answer. Yes. So I actually run two separate newsletters. Wow. (laughs) One for the Divinatex stuff and one for the Elfont stuff. And both of those are curated kind of specifically as well. Like in my Elfont newsletter, um, it'll be much more individualistic and kind of personal. It'll be a lot of like, here's my upcoming gigs, like booked stand-up comedy shows for the next month type of thing. And it will also often feature, for example, like video work or creative video work I've done with MMIX Art, my partnership with my partner. I'll feature stuff like that in the Font newsletter. In the Divinatex newsletter, I'll include you know, here are my office hours that are available for the next month and everything. But I also try to do a little bit of community building via that newsletter in the sense of featuring different mutual aid fundraisers. I'll usually have a handful of stuff like that. If obviously, if I've been on a podcast like this, that particular month, I'll link the information and blast it out as well. So it's two different focuses, foci. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I actually have two separate newsletters. And thanks to Canva, (laughs) I do not work for them, but they're helpful in the branding stuff, I guess. Thanks to finding some options on Canva, I have... My gosh, how many separate websites? (laughs) Well, two separate ones at least. And then MMIX Art just has like a really basic portfolio. What would you say is your biggest successes then? What do you feel most proud about in in the life that you've created with your business? That's a great question. (laughs) Because I know probably to people listening, it's like, oh my gosh, they're so all over the place. What (laughs) is happening? (laughs) Well, first of all, I want to specify that my definitions of success when it comes to financials specifically have not always been along the lines of everyone else, everyone else. When I have the opportunity to get all my bills covered, get my rent covered, manage my cash flow so that so that I can like, and this happened just as of this year, thanks to some business coaching from the Kota Constellation. But when I can manage my cash flow to at least set aside a little money for taxes quarterly from every payout that I'm getting beyond that, besides trying to save a little bit of money, I live 
pretty simply. So I am not necessarily one of those people out here bragging about, oh yeah, like I have like five or six figure clientele per month. And I know that's what a lot of people are oriented towards, but that has not been my personal definition of success. My personal definition has been, first of all, being able to continue to pursue all the creative stuff I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. by doing this work. And also just showing up as who I am and my identity Mm -hmm. to show others. I don't want to overestimate myself or oversell (laughs) me just like showing up to life. But I know that the way that I express myself in things does give some encouragement to some people out there. Well, Um, and that's what I represent as success too. You know, what I really love about that, Elle, is that it's interesting how people ask, answer this question when I say, what do you consider your big? And I also struggle with using the word success too, but maybe I should use accomplishment or something like that because success doesn't like for some people, financial success is like the pinnacle of their desire. But for a lot of people, success can mean a lot of different things. And so, for example, a lot of the people I've talked to on this show will talk about a particular client they helped or they saw them that they they did something that they never thought that they would see. And so I think one of the things I want to get across with queer business success, because, you know, queers tend to look outside the box as long as we're the uh, neurodiverse community, <laughs> is that that success we can have our own definition of success. I guess the only person who can define our definition of success, going back to sexuality and gender, is us. And so it sounds like as long as I find that, as long as we are happy with that definition and it fits us, that is a very positive thing. Because for a while there, I started to chase the um, the uh, like financial thing. And then I realized, you know, I find my most joy working with people. And I don't ever want to get to the point of being a coach where I have, you know, four layers of coaches between me and the client. I always want to be there for that person and talk to them and get to know them. And so now my definition of success has gone to like, you know, maybe having 20 people that I work with at a time. I mean, I've been doing my lot later in life coaching for a while, but like, as I've been doing this expansion around business, I have come to realize that, you know, I think I only want to work with 20, 25 people at a time so that I can have a relationship with them. Because if you do more than that, then you can't really have, it's really hard to have relationships with people when you have 50, 60, 70 people in a program. Yes. Thank you so much for like naming and framing it that way. That really resonates with me too. Yeah. Like one of those other big things that resonates for me personally is like you said, the, the immediacy, the impact, the, whether it be that moment of like showing another person how to have a different relationship with their posture, their body, a certain type of your stuff, or, right. Or <laughs> micro movement, right. Their stuff. When I am able to use my words in a reading to frame some information in a different way that helps somebody have that light 
full moment. It truly is one of being in service to your community. And it also makes me think of like, I know that some like specifically indigenous societies have had this social role of like the fact that the creative performer was also like the medicine person or the medicine bringer, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes this performer would even show or display like unpleasant things or ugly things because it would give that group of people the chance to be like, oh, that makes me process that information in a different way. Or, oh, somebody can express an emotion like that and it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think of all of that. A, a good friend of mine and I kind of came up with a term for that. We call it the showmanic, like showman. Yeah. <laughs> showmanic clown. Like that person who just kind of goes through life pointing out all of those dynamics or framing things in a different way, or sometimes just bluntly saying the uncomfortable thing of, hey, the emperor's not wearing any clothes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, Al, and say, oh, they are really intriguing me. I need to go talk to them. How can they find you? Well, <laughs> Like I said, I have I have two social medias and two websites. For my performer social media, it's at LL, so two L's at LL font on Instagram. The Divinotex side is divinotex.io. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can contact me through there either way. Like I said, I have two website so it's l font just one l lfont.com for the performer stuff if you want to take a look at that and then for divinot x it's actually a canva site so it's divinot x dot my my dot canva dot site so, so we'll have all that in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody's driving yeah. a car right now, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So and we'll on each of those, on each of those, there's also a way to sign up for the newsletters I mentioned earlier. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, thank yeah. you. Al, thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. I deeply appreciate it and best of luck with everything. Yes, thank you so very much, Anne-Marie. I'm really happy to be here today. This was great. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA plus businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.